Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. We, we've been in Romans, and, um, and we're going to finish Romans, just not today. Um, we're we're going to do that at a different time, uh, but we are finishing because of those of you who are following along goes, wait a second, Romans has 16 chapters and we've only been through 14. You're right and you're genius. So uh, we're going to go back and we're going to look at Romans 15 and 16 here in a few weeks. But I was praying about these 21 days and um, just just saying, God, what do, what do you want to pour out into our church? What do you have for us in these next 21 days. The thing I realize about these times is that whenever we have a moment that is a specific time to focus, to jump out of normal routine and enter into a deeper pursuit of God, there's something incredible that can happen. How's everybody doing today? Is everyone, is everyone everyone's like, oh, it's summer, you know, summer hangover. It's real. It's real. I get it. I get it. Um, uh, but, but I believe that as we step into 21 days, there's something that can actually take place when we collectively say, you know what, as a church, as a body, as a group of people, we're going to pursue the heart of God together. And I, I really, I really, really do believe that God has something for you. As I was praying over this, these 21 days, I was sitting in my office one morning and I was like, you know, God, what do, you, what do you want to say? What do you want to do? What do you want for this 21 days? And it was so clear. It was so clear. The words just come away with me. Come away with me. An invitation for each one of us to come away with Jesus. You see, life gets busy, if you haven't noticed. There's all kinds of stuff that we walk in day in and day out that we carry, that fill our times. We're, we're in the process of, of selling our house and moving and packing up. And, and trust me, it's the all-encompassing life of, it just, it just takes over your entire life. Or the summer and trying to manage vacation and, and time with family and work and all of this kind of stuff. And then, oh, these projects that we really have to get done before the fall and the winter. Ah, I waited till the end of summer to do that, right? There's these things that uh, I know nobody does that. So just, it's totally fine. I know you are all very responsible people that finished all of their projects early in the summer. That's fine. But there's all of these things that we carry. But in the middle of this, I really, really, I know that the heart of God is that in the middle of everything that we're walking through right now is to receive his invitation to come away with him. It's a powerful thing when we can actually do this, when we can actually step into this. And so as I was praying and saying, okay, God, where do I take this in scripture? Where, 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 where do you want to communicate? Where do you want to go? He led me to Mark 6. And so today we're going to spend some time in Mark 6. You can open your Bible to Mark 6 if you have it. It'll be on the screen as well too. But Mark 6. Now, now in Mark 6, we see something really cool happening because Jesus was getting ready to send the 72 out in pairs to go on their missionary journeys. Now, now I want you to just grasp the significance. Imagine yourself as a apostle, as a disciple that's getting ready to step on this journey. Because what Jesus does is he comes to you and he says, hey, by the way, I have given you authority. 
to preach. Whew, authority to preach. Remember, these weren't like seminary students that were, that were well-versed and well-spoken. They were fishermen. They were, they were shepherds. They were carpenters. They were everyday people that Jesus said, you have the authority to preach, meaning you don't have to go to Bible school to share the gospel. You here in this room don't have to wait to get some sort of higher education for God to be able to use your voice to impact the people around you. Here's the thing. There's this idea in the Western culture of church that it's all up to just the pastor. It's not. We all are believers. We all have had our lives changed and impacted by the Holy Spirit. And because of that, we all are empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry the gospel, to be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. And so we all have to be ready to do this. And so, great, you have authority to preach. But not only that, you have authority to go and cast out demons. Whoa, the disciples are getting really excited now. Like, you got to be kidding me. You know, like, we've seen you do that. That's amazing. Oh, oh, and it gets better. I also give you authority to anoint people with oil and see them healed. What? And so what happens? The disciples go out on their journey. And in Mark 12, 12, or Mark 6, verse 12 and 13, so it says that they went out and they did it. They preached that people should repent. They drove out demons. They anointed the sick and saw them healed. If you are a disciple, it's a really good day. Like, like how, how, well, yeah, terrifying. That's true too. But how cool is that? To realize as you step out that the authority that Jesus promised that you would have actually was there. Now we know that when Jesus went back up to heaven after the resurrection, what did he say? He said, greater works than these will you do for you who have faith. There is an anointing over us here as believers to carry the same spirit of God to move out into our communities, to see miracles to take place, to see things unlocked in people's lives, to see people released from captivity, to see people set free. We are God's ambassadors, his hands and feet right now to be able to do that same thing. So here was the deal is the disciples were doing this and then they returned to Jesus. And, and you can just imagine how ecstatic they were. I mean, they came back and they're like, it worked. You wouldn't believe it. We went out in the name of Jesus and the demon left. I mean, and they're gathered around Jesus and they're celebrating and they're, they're going over and they're telling stories. And there was this one guy and he lost a toe and then I prayed and the toe grew back. What? There was one guy who chopped his ear off and then his ear grew back. And Jesus is like, Peter, you can't chop his ear off first and then cause it to come back. Like, we got to talk about this and make sure you get this right. But they were swapping all these stories and they were sharing all these amazing things that took place. The other thing that had taken place, though, prior to them coming back, is Jesus had learned that John the Baptist, the forerunner, the voice, cried out in the wilderness. The one who had paved the way for the Messiah had been beheaded by Herod and died. Jesus' own cousin. And the, and, the, and the sorrow of what that would have felt like was also resting on Jesus. You have, you have two opposing 
seemingly opposing things happening at one time. You have the celebration of the miraculous power of God moving throughout people. And you have the mourning of loss that has taken place. And, and, and here, is, here is where the word of the Lord would come to you. Because as I was praying, I, I, I heard the Lord just say over you as One Life Church, I, I see your hard work. I see your dedication. I, I see what you've done to try to build your homes. I've seen the victories in your life. And I've been there in the middle of the hard times. I, I see all of this. God's saying this over you. I see all of this. And I rejoice when you rejoice. And I mourn when you mourn. And I comfort you when you're walking through these stuff. The word of the Lord to you would say, he sees where you're at in your life right in this moment. The celebrations and the failures, the hard times, just as the disciples had. And as they came back with everything and they were sharing and all of this kind of stuff, what does Jesus say? He says, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. Jesus, this is amazing. Everything that you've done, it's been incredible. Yes, yes, yes. But don't let that be the thing that you look to that replaces Jesus. Don't let the miracle, don't let the sign, don't let the powerful sign and wonder and the thing that God does outweigh and outplay God. Come away with me. But Jesus, did you hear about John? Did you hear about the loss? Did you hear about the death? Yeah, come away with me. During these 21 days, I recognize that there are that we're all in different places here. I recognize that we're all walking through different things. But I really, really strongly believe that what Jesus is saying to you today is come away. Come away. By yourself to a remote place and rest. How many could use some rest? How many could use a little bit of time with Jesus? Now, I'm not saying that that never happens because we're all supposed to be spending our time with Jesus and building the relationship and going in there. But there are moments and there are seasons that have a special anointing on them. And I believe that this is one of those times. I believe for us, as we step into these 21 days, that there's something unique and special that God wants to do in our lives. And we've all been working hard and we all have things that we're doing. I love this verse, moving on into verse, the, the next verse. For many people, we're coming and going. Right? There, was, there, was, there was much happening around the lives of the disciples and around Jesus and all this kind of stuff. There was a lot taking place. And they didn't even have time to eat. <laughs> Anybody ever feel that way? I, I don't even have time to eat. There's so much. There's so, demand, there's so much demand on my time, my energy, my focus, my, my everything that, that, that there's not even time for me to sit down and have a snack. So what did they do? They got into a boat and they went away to get away with Jesus. The key of this is, is this, and this is where I wanna go for today. The key is this, that in the middle of the good things and in the middle of the hard things, don't miss the invitation to the best thing. Because we can all get caught up 
in a lot of good stuff that's going on. We can all get caught up in stuff that we, we look at life and it's like, man, life is good. And there's so many incredible things going on. Don't let that make you miss the invitation to the best thing. I don't know if I can come to God right now because of what I'm walking through. I don't know if the pain I'm experiencing is even welcome before God. I carry sin, I carry shame. Maybe it's just there's, there's too much there that I feel like would just keep me from being able to come to him. It's actually a lie that it can keep you from a relationship with him. My prayer is that as we step into these 21 days, that we actually get to do this, to bring everything we are in whatever place you are. You don't have to be any certain way to come away with Jesus. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have it all figured out. Come as you are is the invitation. Now, full disclosure with this passage of scripture, they went away and uh, the very next thing was that the 5,000 followed them and then Jesus had to feed them. So um, the rest period didn't really take place. But I think that the principle still stands. I think that there's a principle that Jesus was like, hey, come away with me, come away, come away. Now, this, this Greek word of come, I looked at this a little bit because I thought this was so cool. And there's some very cool imagery in it. And I want you to just... I want you, as I'm explaining this and talking through this, to understand the heart of the Father for you, the heart of the Father towards you, okay? The, the Greek word for come is defte. And, and this, I, it has a bunch of meanings behind it, but a couple of things that I just want to highlight real quick. The idea of coming is attached to this idea of following. There, there, there's a beckoning and there's a response. There, there, there's an invitation to follow the master, to follow the shepherd. And I would say this, that in our 21st century American Western world, we don't really know how to get away and rest and unplug very well, do we? In fact, it's actually looked as a weakness. Oh, oh, you need a break? Oh, ooh, just not strong enough. So sorry. It's looked at as a weakness. In order for us to be able to experience the rest and the refreshing that God has for us, I would submit to you that it is really important for us to follow the creator and the sustainer of rest. We have to follow him to understand how this actually works because we can't figure it out on our own. We don't even know. I have a day off and I don't know how to rest on a day off. I mean, it's like well, all the stuff to do and, and, and everything and but if I follow his leading, he's going to show me, you, how to rest, how to be refreshed. The other idea of this behind this word to come has this idea of gathering. The images of a shepherd gathering his sheep to care for them, to gather them, to pull them together, to be able to care for them. My, my, my just saying this over you, that over these next 21 days, there's an element of it where the shepherd wants to gather you to himself to refresh, to care for, and to tend where you're at. Whatever that looks like in your life, there's a tending and there's a caring by the shepherd. 
and he knows exactly where you're at and he knows exactly how to get into your world. And I'm very, very thankful for that. So there's the idea. Here's what God's looking for. I really feel that going into this time, God's looking for a people who will prioritize time with him in a world full of doing things for him. Our world, even the church world, is filled with this mentality that if I just do all the things for Jesus, my relationship is gonna be good. If I, if I serve on all the teams, if I, if I live according to all the rules, if I make sure that I don't do all the bad stuff that you're not supposed to do, then my relationship is good. What God is looking for is a people who will prioritize just simply time to get with him and to just maybe pause a little bit on the elevation that we put on doing things for him. There's nothing wrong with doing things for God. We serve him and we serve him because we love him. And he absolutely has given us a responsibility here on earth. But what has to precede that is the with before the for. Okay, this is what he's inviting us into. Oswald Chambers says this in, in my utmost for his highest. The most important aspect of Christianity is not the work we do, but the relationship we maintain and the surrounding influence and qualities produced by that relationship. Notice, notice, don't, don't get the cart before the horse. We, we, we focus on relationship with him, which then empowers us to be able to go out and have fruit that comes out of our lives. Though there is fruit, there is things that take place, but we have to prioritize the with him first. So, so as Jesus was talking to the disciples, and I believe as Jesus is talking to us, he, he's giving us an invitation. And I actually, the, 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 um, the scholar who put together the, the commentary, Lenski, he says it this way, and I, I really like this wording. To spend, the invitation is to spend a little while in quiet and undeserved, undisturbed conference with the master. Quiet, undisturbed conference with the master. Now, now, this is why I wanted to say this, because those two words are not popular and are really hard to actually step into, quiet and undisturbed. How, how, how many people here have kids and when you've sat down with your Bible and said, hey, I'm going to get just a few minutes to open the word and I'm going to read and then I'm going to pray I might even put a worship, a worship song on and it's just going to be this beautiful time. Mom! Right? Anybody been there? Oh, come on. You guys be honest. We've all been there, right? Or the phone rings or something goes off, right? There's always something that interrupts the quiet and the undisturbed. And it's not like we're going to get away from those things because that's just life. That's where we're going to be. But I think the principle of what is taking place here is what God's going for. Now, there's several things, and I want you to, as I go through these things, I want you to really process where you are at today. Because I believe as you step into these 21 days, there, there's different um, uh, ways that we step into this time to be able to focus on God. And there's different seasons of life that each one of us have as we step into these things. The first of these is refreshing. When we step away with the Lord, there is a refreshing that comes. You can put the first one up. Refreshing. There we go. Refreshing. And when we get away from the Lord, there's an element of this thing that there is a refreshing that God has for his people. Jeremiah 31, it says this, I will refresh the weary and I will satisfy the faint. There's a season 
of refreshing to pour into you. This is what the Bible teaches. I want you to, I want you to attach your, your mind and your heart and your faith to this. That as we step into these days, that as we step in, these are the things that God has for you. And this is where he wants to meet you, okay? There's a refreshing. Now, now here is, here's the, the difference though when we talk about refreshing in a time of 21 days of prayer. Refreshing doesn't come from just disconnecting from the world. It comes from connecting with Jesus, Okay? There's a big distinction because I don't know if you've heard this buzzword, this, I, I just need a little bit of me time. Anybody ever heard that? Me time usually involves staying in your PJs, sitting on your couch and watching Netflix all day with a bowl of cereal, right? Like that's, that's the me time, right? Now, now do not get me wrong. There is self-care and there's things that getting out into nature and hiking and, and getting away and all of those things are, are very, very important. We have a, a growing network of people here at the church who love gold panning. That is something that is done to refresh yourself, to get out there and be refreshed when you come up with gold. I mean, that's cool too, but there is refreshing that comes from that. So I'm not downplaying self-care, Okay. But I do recognize this, that the idea of just getting away without connecting with God, it's actually impossible to refresh yourself because of this principle. A depleted person cannot care for a depleted person. If you're on empty and you're just like, I just need to get away. I just need to get away and just, and just so I can be refreshed. You're not gonna refresh yourself. It's impossible. If you've got nothing, you've got nothing for you. It's, just think about it. Just think about it. Thinking about becoming a psychiatrist and a psychologist. Just kidding. Not really. So we have to understand that getting away, disconnecting means we're, dis, we're, we're connecting with God. The second area, this is something that, that God does, is the idea of celebrating. For some of us, it might be a season where there's some really cool stuff happening in our lives. Well, we're seeing the faithfulness of God. We're seeing the hand of God pour out of our lives. We're celebrating new life. We have a ton of families that have new babies. That is a celebration time. It's also very necessary for refreshing as well. But there is a celebration that takes place. We might be in a season of celebrating. When we get away with the Lord, it's to celebrate everything that's gone on. Psalm 126, yes, Lord, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy in the Lord and the things he's done. The next thing is, it's a season of stepping away where maybe there's mourning to take place. Maybe you're walking through a season in your life where that's necessary. There's been some loss. There's been some pain. There's been some unanswered prayers that you're still trying to figure out. Maybe, maybe you're at a place where it's been really quiet. And it seems like the voice of God is really quiet right now in your life. And you just need to get away and there's a little bit of this like, God, why is it not like it was before? God invites you into that place in the middle of that. Ecclesiastes says that there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and there's a time to dance. Can I tell you that in the middle of mourning and grieving, if that's a season that you're in, that God's right there with you. He's gonna meet you in that. And he's gonna to come to refresh your heart in the middle of it. This is real, this is real life stuff. The next one is refocusing. You might be in a season where as you step into these 21 days, it's a time to refocus 
your mind, your heart, everything on God. Colossians says it this way, to set your mind on the things above. You know that if, if, if we just go on automatic pilot, there's so much that can fill our head. There's so much that can fill our mind. And before we know it, our thoughts are all over the place because of all kinds of different things that are influencing us, right? Maybe these 21 days for you are to refocus on him. To maybe quiet some of the other voices and things that are going on in order to focus on him. The final one is revelation. It's gonna be a season where God wants to reveal some new things to you, some fresh things to you. I find this very interesting that in Mark 4, it says that Jesus, when he spoke to the crowds, he spoke in parables. In fact, Mark 4, 34 says that he did not speak to them without a parable. And we all know that the parables were extremely confusing to people. They didn't know what, they, what half the parables meant, right? Even the disciples were like, Wait, what did you mean by that, you know? But then what would he do? Listen to this. But privately, he would explain everything to his own disciples. I believe that there's a revelation for you. I believe that there's people here that have been trying to find some very specific answers to either some things in the word or trying to rationalize or quantify things that are happening in life. And you're trying to understand where God is in the middle of it, how God is moving, why he's allowed certain things to happen. And I believe for you that there is a revelation during this time with him. That he wants to speak some truths to your life. That he wants to bring clarity and understanding to what's going on in your world. These five things are things that I really believe we enter into these times in one of these areas. As you look at your life, would you say that you were able to identify with one of those areas maybe a little bit? Maybe multiple of those areas, right? Okay, so, so as you think through it, and if you took notes, have them. To be able to actually process and say, okay, God, what in this season do you want to do? What do you want to do? As we get ready to, to close today for the next few minutes, what I want to do is I want to give you five things that are just really practical ways to actually do this thing called coming away with God. I believe that for every person here, there's an invitation that God's put before us, but the invitation also comes with a challenge because everything will be up against you getting away and spending time with the Father. Everything will work against it. So there's an invitation. Come, come away with me. Refreshing, revelation, an opportunity for mourning. There's, there, there's all of these things. There's the, the, the refocusing that can happen there. All of these things are there, but there's a challenge for us to actually be intentional to step into that, okay? So here's some practical things. You guys doing okay? Does this all, does this make sense where we're going? Okay, five practical ways to come away with God. The first of them is these, to embrace the gift of solitude. Embrace the gift of solitude. Solitude is one of these interesting words because it's also a word that in our culture has gotten a bad rap because people in culture kind of, kind of fall on two ends of a pendulum, right? One end is FOMO, right? Any, do you know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out, right? Does anybody here have fear of missing out? Yeah, okay. It's real, it's real. Fear of missing, Scott, yeah, true. Uh, fear, fear of missing out, right? So that, that's real, okay? 
On the other side is isolation. I just cannot wait to get away from people. Amen. <laughs> and people live in both extremes. That, you know, of all the points of the sermon as I was planning for today, that was not the one that I was expecting an amen on. But anyway, whatever. It is what it is. Okay, so there's these other, there's these, these two sides of the pendulum, these two extremes. But I understand this, that isolation is actually the intentional or unintentional removal of people, from people, right? But listen, listen this, this is the difference with solitude, and this is what I want to sow into your hearts this morning. Solitude is separation with the purpose of connecting with God. It, it's, it's proactive and not reactive. It's actually setting up things in our life where we're going to separate ourselves from so that we can separate ourselves to. There's a purpose in the separation. Because again, if you're fried, there is no way that you are going to refresh yourself. You need the Holy Spirit to come in and do that in your life. So when we think about solitude and the gift of solitude, understanding that I'm going to come away so that I can connect with him. It's intentional that way. The second one is this. To prioritize relational time with God. Now, I put this word in here because I think that there's, there's ways to spend time with God that are very transactional in nature. Um, I sit down and I read my, my chapter of the Bible, pray my little prayer that, God, you would just come and do a few things today. And then we go on through the day. And I'm not saying that to tear anybody down because we've all done it. Like we've all, we've all done it. We've all been there and like, okay, maybe we run out of time, you know, for whatever reason, we've all, we've all been there. But a relational time with God is very different. I heard a, a clip this last week from Charles Stanley and he was talking about prayer and connecting with God. And he made this statement that I thought was so cool. He said like so many times when we think about prayer, we think about getting away and all the things that we're gonna tell God He's like, so many of us need to actually learn the art of getting away with God and listening first. Like, what would our prayer time look like in a relational standpoint if we got away and didn't say a word and just listened for him to speak? That would probably change things. That would probably change things, right? So it's, the, it's the, how we go along this, okay? So, so the idea of relationship is that there's talking involved. There's talking with God. Not just talking to God, talking with God. It's a relationship that takes place. Now, that might seem like a little bit of a, a foreign thing. Maybe you're, maybe you're here and you, you haven't experienced the idea of the two-way communication, but I want you to know it's actually a lot simpler than we make it out to be. Because a lot of times when we get away with the Lord and we want to be able to have him speak into our lives and we just simply listen, we posture ourselves to hear what he has to say, and then we open the word. And if our heart attitude and our heart response is, God, I want you to speak to me, whatever you want to say today, whatever you want to speak, then you open the word. And as you ingest the word, the promises, because this is how the word works, it is living and active and it is God breathed. And when we give the Holy Spirit permission to speak through the word, he illuminates things that we get out of it that maybe we wouldn't otherwise. And I'm not just talking about arbitrary, open the Bible, go, right? I'm going to talk about what strategy looks like here in just a second. But there is something that that is how the Holy Spirit works in so many times, is he opens scripture to us. You know, if, if we just sit there and go, okay, Holy Spirit, speak, 
Now, sometimes he will, but a lot of times he speaks through the word. He illuminates the word, right? So let's get into the word, okay? Prioritizing relational time with God. The third thing is let the Holy Spirit lead those times. See, we can enter a time with God with our checklist, with all the things that we think, with how we think it's gonna go and all of this, rather than letting the Holy Spirit lead. Now, here's where the balance is. And I wanna give this to you because there is is a responsibility in our part. Because there is a balance of planning and surrender when we come to our time with the Lord. And here's what I mean by this. We are responsible to plan the strategy How am I going to strategize my life to create time and margin to be with the Lord? And so maybe it's, I'm going to set apart this time of the day and I'm going to go to this place and maybe I'm going to do this reading plan or or whatever it may be, but I'm going to have these specific things that I want to put in place. Why? Because if we don't plan, then guess what happens? Nothing. I don't want to put the Holy Spirit in a box. Well, don't. Don't put him in a box. But you have a responsibility to say, okay, what am I going to do in my life to create some time to be able to get away, to position myself and posture myself for the Holy Spirit to speak? Okay? So, there's, so this is what has to really... So, so plan the strategy. What's this going to look like? But then here's the key. Surrender the outcome. Because we don't want to go to the Holy Spirit and say, this is what I need you to say into my situation. This is what I'm expecting you to say. I need you to validate my opinion or my perspective. And we go in with all this stuff. And then when the Holy Spirit doesn't do that, we go, well, he's not speaking. Maybe he had something else, a different outcome in store for that time with him. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Okay. You plan the strategy. I am going to get up at six o'clock in the morning. And I am going to get my Bible and I'm going to open my Bible at my dining room table with my cup of coffee. And I am going to pray and say, Holy Spirit, this is your time. Would you come and speak and do whatever you want in this time? And then you begin to read and you begin to let the Holy Spirit come and move. That's the strategy. And then you let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do in that day. Make sense? Okay, now... Here's the other thing, a couple practical things and we're done. During this time, for us, it's really important for us to understand how we are to stretch ourselves, okay? You will get out of these 21 days what you put into it. Meaning if this is just cruise control and going through and nothing really changes and nothing really shifts that's gonna take place over these next 21 days, you're gonna get that kind of a thing out of it right? But if we actually stretch ourselves to actually press in maybe a little bit more with more intention that we have, then we're going to understand and we're going to experience something with God that we never have before. Here's the reality. Things will continue to be the same until we change the things on our part and allow the Holy Spirit to change everything else in us. Okay? We can't keep going through life expecting this different results doing the same thing. Where does the Holy Spirit want you to stretch during these 21 days? Maybe for you, stretching is simply saying, I am. I'm going to set my alarm for a half hour earlier. 
and I'm going to get up and I'm going to spend time with the Lord. Maybe that's the stretch. Maybe for you, the stretch is you do need to actually take a few days during these 21 days to fast. You actually are going to say, you know what? These three days, I do not like fasting, but I'm going to stretch myself. Why? Because I want to connect with the heart of God. And that supersedes everything else. Maybe during this time, (laughs) this is a novel thought. I'm just giving you ideas that you can take away and you can work into these 21 days. Maybe for you during this time, it's a memorization of some scripture. Maybe maybe it's taking a chunk of scripture and saying over these 21 days, I'm going to memorize it and get it into my spirit. And and can I encourage you that if you're going to memorize scripture, don't just memorize one little scripture. Because so many times we have all these scriptures floating around in our heads that we don't even know sometimes half the time what they actually meant when they were written. Memorize context. Find a, a paragraph of text that makes sense with that verse and memorize that. Maybe that's the stretch for you. What's the stretch during these 21 days? What's the stretch for you? What's that gonna be? I would encourage you to find out what that is so that you can step into it. The final thing is to celebrate accountability. And here's why I put it this way. Accountability is this really interesting thing because it involves being accountable to somebody else. But when we celebrate it, we actually celebrate the fact that I am journeying with other people that are headed in the same direction. And we together are pursuing the heart of God. And we're gonna be in it together to help one another to move forward into what God has to pursue him wholeheartedly. And then what happens is we celebrate this thing that happens. Here would be my encouragement to you today before you leave. And it doesn't have to be somebody in this room, but I would encourage it to be somebody in this room. Before you leave, see if you can find one, two, three people that you would say over these next 21 days, we're gonna start a text group and we're gonna start going back and forth and just making sure and reaching and touching base with one another to say, hey, how's your time with the Lord going? What's he speaking to you? What are those things that are coming alive in your life? Man, it was really hard, man. I've, I've, I've really struggled the whole getting up thing. Like, why do people even do that? You know, like it's, it's real. Um, but being able to have somebody say, it's all right, tomorrow, get up earlier, spend time with the Lord. You could do this, encouraging one another and coming alongside one another. Accountability can be this amazing thing that helps build one another up, okay? So this all together just packages kind of what I've felt in my heart for these next 21 days for us as a church to step into. There's an invitation to come away that has some amazing promises attached, but it takes some intentionality on our part. How many of you are ready to maybe step into it this week, a little bit more than maybe you have before over these next 21 days? I would challenge you. I would encourage you to do that, whatever that means for you. This is, this is the thing. I'm not saying everybody has to do the same thing. You figure out in your life what that means to actually stretch, to press in just a little bit more and to go on that journey, okay? Okay, here's what we're gonna do as we wrap up. On your way out today, there is a, a card that will be at the doors that you can pick up. And it's uh, 21 days of prayer and it, it's to give some, some prayer targets over these next 21 days. 
And uh, I want you to pick one up. This is also in the app. So if you'd rather just use a digital copy, you can do that and find that on the app. Um, but pick one of these up. And uh, different from, from maybe how we've done it before, uh, in the past we've done 21 days of prayer. We've had a different prayer point for each one of the days, right? You're familiar with that. We kind of roll out the different points for the different days. And uh, as, as I was just, again, praying and planning through and, and really getting the heart of God for this, um, I, this time what we're going to do is we're actually going to simplify things down a little bit, right? Because I think it's cool to pray for a bunch of stuff, but some of these things, it's like we pray for it one day and then that's it. And then we don't ever talk about it again, you know? So what I wanted to do is I, I'm creating and I put five areas that we are going to pray into over the whole course of the 21 days together. Five areas. And the areas are this. We as a church are going to pray collectively for there to be revival. We want to see revival, not only touch our hearts, but the hearts of people we know, family and friends who need a touch of the Holy Spirit in their lives. We want to believe for that, okay? The second thing is to pray for unity. Unity. Where there's unity, there is a commanded blessing. And, and, and when I put this down, and each one has a blurb and a bunch of scriptures to it, but it's not just unity within the body of, within here, within one life. It's unity in the big C church. Um, I, I want us to pray for this because there's, there's a thing that I've realized, and, and I've only been here five years. But there's a thing that I realized that there's a spirit of division that plagues the, tur- the churches of the Treasure Valley. Of division that wants to weave its way in. I want us to pray for unity. Unity amongst the body of Christ. We're all on the same team. We're all doing the same thing. We want to see people saved. We want to see lost people saved and going to heaven. We do want to pray for the lost. We're going to focus on praying specifically for them. And with this, I don't just want it to be a blanket thing. My thing is think specifically about people in your life who are lost. Praying for them by name for 21 days. Think that's a good idea? Okay. We're going to pray for next gen. For our encounter youth and our kids' life. That the spirit pours out on our kids that they would meet with him in a deeper way, pray an anointing over our leadership team, that as they get ready and as they deliver the word and as they walk with kids, that there's just something amazing that takes place in their life. And then finally, I think it's a good idea for us to pray about this all the time, is a permanent home for one life. Why not pray and just see what God's gonna do? I believe that there's miracles that he has in store for us. I think that he has a home for us. And this is, and I put this on the card, for a home and for miracles to take place that are unmistakably God. I want that when we step into our home, that all of us go, yeah, that was God. That was, that was God. That, would anybody else like to see that happen? Okay, all right, good. Just making sure it's not just me, you know, like I'll pray for that for 21 days. Okay, so I want you to grab that as you go out and be praying over those five things as we press in together. Sound good? Sound good? Okay. Now, today, as we wrap up, um, part of this invitation that Jesus has given us to come away with him, part of that involves the first part of the invitation. And this is actually outlined in Matthew 11 when Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I'm lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy 
and my burden is light. What's Jesus talking about here? He's talking about the weight and the burden of sin that we carry before we come to the cross. And he says, come to me, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. What's his yoke? The yoke of salvation. Don't try to carry all your fears, don't, your, your failures, your shame. Don't try to carry all of these things and, and don't even just try to perform and, and do things that just give you good standing with God. No, 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 no. Take his yoke of salvation on you, which is light, the forgiveness of sin. I wanna give you an opportunity, if you're here today and you haven't had the opportunity to start a relationship with Jesus, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that. When we start a relationship with Jesus, what we're doing is we're actually putting our faith in him. Faith in the work of the cross that says that, that by his stripes, by the blood that he shed on the cross, our sins are forgiven, they're paid for, we're cleansed and purified because of him. And we put our faith in him and we begin a relationship where we listen to this invitation to come away with him. So today, if you're here and you haven't had the opportunity to do that, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that. And the way that it starts is just very simply a prayer that we're just all gonna pray together. And the reason we do it is because we're a family, we're all one. And so we're gonna pray this all together. If you're here and you're like, you know what? Ah, yep, I've been fighting this too long. I wanna put my faith in Jesus today. I want him to take my sin, take away my shame, take away my guilt, and to live free in his salvation and the price he paid on the cross. I want you to pray this prayer today with faith, conviction, belief that something is changing in your life. So let's do this. Bow your heads, close your eyes. And let's pray this together. Just repeat after me. Jesus, I come to you today and I thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. That your blood paid the price for every wrong thing that I've ever done or ever will do. Today, I put my faith in you as my savior and as my Lord. I ask you to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my savior. From this day forward, I receive your invitation to come away with you and receive life in Jesus' name, amen.